Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All right, folks, happy hump day. It is the middle of the week. We're in that point where we're getting into the stretch. We've gotten past the first few days of the work week. We're kind of going, ah, I can see Friday on the horizon. It's coming. You had Friday, Saturday, summon. So, you know, Wednesday's kind of that middle day and you want to go, can I make it through? What do I need? Well, you need energy. You need information. You need energy for your brain. And that energy comes in the form of information honest information, intelligent information, hopefully entertaining information that gets you up, gets you going and go through. And that's what the focus of the podcast is, the information edge. Uh, What I do is I'm taking my four plus decades of being in the private sector, doing some work in the public sector, um, the industries that I've covered and touched and taking those segments of that, that I think I've got the best honed skills set for and bringing that information to you in a concise and hopefully intelligent manner that makes sense, makes your brain go, "Mm, okay, I got some juice. I can make it till Friday now because Darren's feeding my brain. Today, I want to talk a little bit about something that uh, we we bellyached a lot since the first week of January on the number that have come out, but I don't think there's really been a deep dive into some of the executive orders that Joe Biden has put out. Now, right now, as of a couple of days ago, it was roughly 60. Um, he's on a pace to just set the barn on fire. But you know what? That's that's part of what happens when you have a change in administration, uh, when you have a change in party and philosophy. You normally will see one party change the other party. We saw it from uh, uh, President Bush, from Bill Clinton. We saw it from Barack Obama, from President Bush. We saw it from President Trump to, for Barack Obama. And you're seeing it right now for Joe Biden on Trump policies. But he's he's firing them out pretty fast. And you'll hear about the ones that are making headlines. The one that made headlines right out of the chute was obviously the executive order suspending uh, the leases for the Keystone XL pipeline. That, that one made news. That had impact. Uh, matter of fact, it had immediate impact because there was reaction jobs that were lost from it. Um, now keep in mind, an executive order is not something that overrides the Constitution. Constitution is still the Constitution. It is a way that presidents traditionally try to circumvent Congress when they have something they don't feel that they can either get passed through both parties or something they feel that they want to expedite or something that they think, well, we'll take a chance and see what happens in a judicial review. Because keep in mind, any executive order can be reversed by the next executive or it can be overturned by the Supreme Court, if it action goes away, actually can be re- reversed by lower courts, but usually they end up going to the Supreme Court. And that's, I think you're going to see some of those. Um, there's the, the challenges on what's happening on the border. I, in my personal opinion, what's happening with ICE and stuff, I actually think that's not just, I think that executive order violates the law. We do have borders, we do have laws. And to do what was done there, that's, that's a problem. But the one I want to talk about today, um, it's kind of gotten hidden under, it's, it's kind of flowing in the water. Nobody's really seen it. No one's talked about it. 
but it's definitely having an impact. And when we start putting the pieces together of what this particular executive order is happening with other items happening right now in, in the legislative environs, you kind of start to scratch your head and go, what's the overall goal here? The one I want to focus on today, um, and, I, and I'm going to follow, if you if you follow the blog, and I have a lot of you that do follow the blog going through, I did blog on this yesterday. This is yesterday's blog that came out on law, order, and incarceration, because we've got a lot of heat going around right now in various parts of the country, usually liberal parts of the country, um, where there are cries to defund the police. They say, well, there's been police brutality. Uh, there's been police taking advantage of certain things. And I'm not saying that there are not in isolated incidents of that happening. I don't want to ignore that because there are there is truth to that. But to paint an entire sector of service is incorrect. But you still have those that are that are calling for that. Uh, at the same time, we've had terrorist groups, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, and that's what they are. Uh, they're terrorist groups um, going out and and in particular areas where the government is friendly to their cause, they've been wreaking havoc. Uh, sometimes they get arrested. Sometimes they don't. Then here's the question. What happens when they get arrested? We're seeing a lot of cases where they're not being prosecuted, where they're let go. That's very frustrating. But now what's happening is executive order that's really going to make you scratch your head. So I'm referring to the executive order that came out on January the 26th. It is the executive order on reforming the incarceration system to eliminate the use of privately operated criminal detention facilities. That's right. You, you heard what I said. Effectively, this started happening back in um, December when they knew Mr. Biden was going to come in in January. And effectively, what has happened is Mr. Biden has signed an executive order where all of the contracts that were operating privately owned federal penitentiaries, not, not, not those funded by taxpayers. Well, it's all funded by taxpayers, but not directly operated by the federal government. These were privately operated uh, federal prisons. Those contracts have all been non-renewed. Think about that for a second. They're shutting those prisons down. So a lot of questions come about nobody, and I mean absolutely nobody, in the press is having a discussion about this because Joe has been firing out so many of these executive orders. I don't even know if he knows what he's signing. But I can promise you they're in the Federal Register. If you go to whitehouse.gov forward slash briefing room, presidential actions, you can find this. Uh, this is on page roughly. I think this is when you go in there, this is like, of 24 pages currently, I think it's number eight or number nine, you can find it, but it is definitely there under January 26, 2021 for presidential actions. So let's give some background as to what's happening here and take some analyzation of it and look at it from an overall perspective of this policy combined with some other factors going on right now. And the first, uh, they come out, anytime you see an executive order, what they will normally do is put together, well, here's why we're doing this, what they call a policy statement or an analysis of an existing policy and why they want to change it. Same thing here. The policy statement basically says that there's more than 2 million people that are currently incarcerated in the United States. I, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but let's say it is. Here's where we get into some of the issues. They, they throw out a, a claim that may or may not be accurate. It says, including a disproportionate number of people of color. Well, who's people of color? Well, obviously, Hispanics, Blacks. Uh, I'm going to assume they're talking Asians, uh, you know, but they're saying that there's a disproportionate in there. I don't know if there is. I don't know if there isn't. But here's the challenge. If, even if there is 
a disproportionate. That doesn't mean that they're not there uh, for jaywalking. So I think, you know, you got to take that statement with a grain of salt, but it basically goes on and says there's a broad consensus that our current system of mass incarceration, <laughs> get my mouth working, incarceration imposes significant costs and hardships on our society and communities and does not make us safer. Hmm. Now, you, you analyze that statement. First off, you got to remember why the, the, the federal system expanded and started handing over the system of incarceration to privately run facilities. It was done because of cost. The private facilities could do a better job at cost containment. Why? Well, everybody that's in the federal systems, number one, there's a cacophony of rules and regulations they got to follow. The costs were getting high. The benefit, the benefit pensions that they were doing, uh, they were bloated, okay? And they were full, by the way. They were full. So that's one of the reasons. So to come out here and say that it imposes significant costs, well, yes, it does, but it's a lower cost than what the federal government was running for. So there's, there's a little bit of uh, disingenuous uh, thoughts that went into that. As far as imposing hardships on societies and communities that don't make us safer, I don't know about you, but I don't pick up the newspaper every day, and I don't hear about inmates being uh, escaping from privately run federal incarceration centers. Now, I've read a whole lot in the past year about um, people in liberal cities, district attorneys, sheriffs, and stuff like that, letting loose criminals because of various excuses, COVID being one of them. But stop thinking about it. When's the last time you heard of a prison break? You don't. So to come out and say that it doesn't make us safer, I think that's a false statement. I don't think there's facts that back that up. And if they are, they should have put this in this statement. Further, to decrease incarceration levels, we must reduce profit-based incentives to incarcerate by phasing out federal government's reliance on privately operated criminal detention facilities. There's the big statement. We're, we're getting rid of it. Bar, 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 bar. All right. We must ensure that our nation's incarceration and correctional systems are prioritizing rehabilitation and redemption. Now, I personally don't think that's a bad statement right there. I think that should be the case, depending on what the crime is. If you've got someone that uh, is a mass murderer uh, or someone that has shown violent patterns of assault, um, sometimes you can't rehabilitate those people. Uh, murders, they need to be in there for life, if not executed anyways. So there's some issues there. I, I do believe you want to rehabilitate and redeem where possible, depending on the crime. Here's where they go in and they just do a blanket statement. Incarcerated individuals should be given a fair chance to fully reintegrate into their communities, including by participating in programming tailored to earning a good living, securing affordable housing, and participating in our democracy as our fellow citizens. Now, that statement right there has something in it that I absolutely don't agree with, and that's that part of participating in our democracy as fellow citizens. They're talking about the right to vote, okay? Basically, it has been a standing practice that if you are convicted of a felony and you go to prison, one of your penances is that you, you lose that right to vote. Now, I've not seen a rehabilitation program yet that where that should be reinstated. Now, I'm not saying there's probably not exception to the rule, but I don't want felons voting, whether that's in jail or out of jail after they got out. Now, again, we might you might say, well, gosh, Darren, what if it was a white collar crime? Well, 
depends. I mean, that's something that's got to be reviewed, but I think that's that blanket statement right there. That should concern you because it is an insight to the mind process of where this policy is going. Okay. Here's what they, they take another stab at, uh, at privately owned operated. They say, however, privately operated criminal detention facilities consistently underperform federal facilities with respect to correctional services, programs, and resources. I don't believe that's true. And I'm going to give you my inside baseball on this. I have a good friend whose wife does background checks on various federal agencies, including correctional agencies. So we've got a lot of inside information on those. And that statement, I don't find it to be accurate. Again, if you're going to come out, if you want us to come out and say, hey, they're underperforming, then then put a list. Okay, Uh, here's the number of jailbreaks they've had federally funded, privately funded which it's, again, it's all federally funded. Here's the number of attacks against guards. Here's number of, pro- you have, have a list. To come out and make a blanket statement when you're not backing it up by facts, that's a problem. Now, right now, folks, we're coming up on a hard break. So you're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey. We're on the Voice America Radio Network. We're going to pay a few bills and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. 
All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge podcast. I'm your host, Darren Yancey. We are covering executive orders today. This is a live show. If you'd like to call in and chime in, the number is 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Um, the only thing we ask is if you do call in, number one, we, just, we talk, we don't yell, uh, and profanity will get you flushed down the giant imaginary toilet that we'll make a big flushing sound on. Okay, we're going over an executive order that effectively has shut down the federal prison system that is funded, or excuse me, that is run by privately owned uh, facilities. In other words, it was, you had those that were run and operated by the federal government, and then they got, they ran out of room, said we can't afford the cost, they contracted them out to facilities owned and operated by the private sector. Well, as, as of January 26th, um, the Department of Justice and the Attorney General has basically sent out a notice. All those contracts are being non-renewed. So there's several facilities that are already being shut down, but the rest of them will be shut down before the year's out. It's a problem. So I'm going over the order. We're going to uh, basically analyze it line by line, look at what we've got. Do we agree with it? Is there premises or fact? Is it, is it fluff and puff? And that's part of what we're doing here. Now, we were talking about some of when they were talking about the policy uh, and a big, big statement had come out that basically that they felt by that, I say the president, because he's the person that wrote this executive order, that privately operated facilities were underperforming federal facilities with respect to correctional services, programs, and resources. Um, I, I have an issue with that because there's no facts to back, back it up. There's no dual ledger column saying that was doing good here, doing good there. We just simply have to take the government's word for it. And right now, I don't take the government's word for anything. Um, and you shouldn't either. You need to test everything. But one of the things that they come out with, and, I, and it's a little bit of a disturbing statement, is per the executive order says, we should assure that time in prison prepares individuals for the next chapter of their lives. I'm sorry. I thought going to prison was punishment for a crime. You did something wrong. You harmed society. You harmed it bad enough to be arrested, to be indicted, to be charged, to be put on trial, to have that trial obviously go negative, to get sentenced in that trial, and to go to prison. The way that statement reads is, well, you got a speeding ticket. You didn't pay it. We got to put you in prison, and we just want to be sure that you go out. You, you can do things better, and we just don't want you going back. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't buy that. I just want to go somewhere and vomit. The reality is, if you got put in a federal penitentiary, you did something wrong. Either you did something very physically wrong, harming or killing people, or God knows what, you did some white-collar crime and you, uh, you invaded or wiped out to have someone's Social Security numbers or, or uh, banks took their money. I mean, you, you don't go to federal prison for jaywalking. You don't. So to sit here and make that statement, uh, it's a little Pollyanna. Well, so let's go on. It says the federal government also has a responsibility to ensure safe and humane treatment of those in the federal criminal justice system. I don't have a problem with that statement, but then there's a claim made. However, as the Department of Justice's Office of Inspector General found in 2016, that's five years ago, by the way, privately operated criminal detention facilities do not maintain the same levels of safety and security for the people in the federal criminal justice system or for the correctional staff. It does not provide a link to this report, 
Um, we don't know what the comparables are. We don't know if it was some minor issues or if it was, oh my God, you got to do a lot of changes. So again, I'm, I'm not going to take anything at face value. I want to see more. At the very least, there could have been a link to go to that other report to go, eh, this is minor. Oh, oh, I can see why. So it leaves a lot to go through. It says, we have a duty to provide these engines with safe and working conditions. And I think they're talking about, uh, well, here's the thing. When they're talking about humane treatment of those in the federal criminal justice system, that implies inmates. When they go down to we have a duty to provide these individuals safe working and living conditions, that implies the people that work in the prison facilities. So a claim's being made here that they're they're saying it's not safe and in human humane treatment for those in the system, and they're implying that there's a safety issue for those working in the system. I would say provide evidence. Because usually you hear about this stuff on uh, any that comes out in the news. If there's any type of jailbreak, if there's any type of assault on an officer, you hear about it. In our neck of the woods, we just don't hear about it that often. And maybe in other parts of the nation, it's local and it's all over and the, low, the national news has just ignored it. But I just don't hear that much of it. So I'm going to have a little bit of doubt on this. I don't disagree that you should have humane treatment. I think you should for inmates, even the most low life uh, when Jeffrey Dahmer was in, you know, give him good treatment. Of course, we know what the inmates did to him. But going back and, and you want to be sure that, yes, the staff have safe working and living conditions. But again, let's let's have a little beef here. Let's have a little. Oh, I guess that meaning that statement takes on new meaning. I want to see some evidence. I want to see some data. And we're not getting any. So what's the result of that policy analysis? Well, you go to Section 2. Contracts with privately operated criminal detention facilities. It says the attorney general shall not renew Department of Justice contracts with privately operated criminal detention facilities as consistent with applicable law. Okay, let's go to number three. Nothing in this order shall be construed to impair otherwise that the authority granted by the executive department or agency uh, hit her therefore, but you get into disclaimers, yada, 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 you know, not to create law, blah, 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 blah. We know you are creating law. So let's dive into this because it creates a ton of questions and concerns of, okay, let's go with the first one. And the first one is, if you're shutting down prison facilities, what's happening to the inmate population in those facilities? I think that's a, a, a fairly reasonable question. Uh, there's no data provided for it in this executive order. There's been no follow-up of it in the, the media. I guess we're just going to assume that everything just worked out dandy and we went from one facility to another. And oh my gosh, they're holding hands and singing Kumbaya. We don't know that. If the current <laughs> federally funded and operating facilities were overrun where they had to have privately run facilities, and you're taking that population, are you putting them back into the other? And, and if you are, doesn't that go directly against this uh, humane treatment and safe working conditions? I don't know how inmates work, but are in living conditions? Isn't that directly opposite of that if you take that population and stuff it into another one? Because the last time I checked, the federal prison system didn't have a bunch of empty buildings sitting around waiting for that population to come in. Where'd they go? Here's something even more disturbing. It implies through that order 
that there's if you if you analyze the current liberal state of affairs in the terms of their mindset, they're very anti-American. They're very um, racist in terms of their analogy to tie race to everything that the country has, will or, or, or might ever do. And that the justice system has been the basically the, the banner, the, the flag bearer, if you will, of what's wrong in America. Well, these people are going to jail. They shouldn't be in jail. They should be out of jail. And that's a prevailing thought that goes through right now. Okay. I'm not saying that the justice system is perfect. Lord knows it's made its mistakes to do a whitewash on it and say that everybody in there is a problem or a large majority in there shouldn't be in there. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I'm, I, excuse me. I do disagree with that. Show me facts. Show me evidence. We know the blips that come out. Hey, they, they've got TV channels that run the specials of, oh, my, we let this guy out after 26 years because he was improperly incarcerated. Folks, President Trump actually went during his administration and looked at people and said, hey, we got these people uh, incarcerated for really stupid stuff. Get them out. And when you have that, I'm all for that. You know, we don't need to be sending people 20 years federal penitentiary because they had a, a bag of dope on them. That's stupid. But at the same time, um, if I've got someone that is habitually beating people up or somebody that <laughs> robbed millions from, oh, I don't know, let's, let's say an a la Bertie Madoff did a Ponzi scheme. Uh, this guy needs to be punished. I'm not worried about his rehabilitation and reentry into society. I want him punished for his actions. And if he reaches a point in a sentence where that other can be attained, that's fine. You have the system that's going that. But I don't, I'm not putting them in federal penitentiary to go, well, he's been in there 12 months. Let's send him back out. They're there for a reason. So where are those people going? And are they letting people out? There's the real question that needs to be on everybody's mind today is who is being let out? Why and where? And nobody knows because nobody's talking about it. We don't have a clue as to anybody that's being let out of these federal penitentiaries. We don't have any idea of how many have been let out. We don't have any idea of the geographic locations other than if you go and you look at the current DOJ contracts and you do some interpolation and some contracting, you go, okay, we know some. I know here in the state of Texas, we have quite a few privately run prisons. And I know we've already had at least three shut down. What I cannot get yet, I'm trying to get people on, or at least talk to me, because it's right now, there is such a rampant fear of people outing this government or exposing things to the light. Folks, this is a real problem, okay? I understand people to be concerned. Trust me, I, I expose myself every day when I do my blogs, when I go on social media and promote the ideas, when I do a podcast, when I do a broadcast. But in times like this, this is when you have to have more voices. And when we have an administration that has just come out with a policy that basically says, hey, we're wiping out one section of our, our federal prison system, the one that is privately operated because we want it to be in the one that we have full control over, and you don't have an announcement of a plan that's a problem, and that's a problem that should concern everyone. There should be inquiries into the Department of Justice. There should be inquiries into the Attorney General's office and going, what are you doing? 
where are these people? Did you let any of them go? Do we need to let society know about these people? I mean, these are legitimate concerns, and we're going to go on more into that in the next segment. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey, part of the Voice of America Radio Network, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to The Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge podcast. I'm your host, Darren Yancey. We are talking about uh, one of Joe Biden's executive orders today the one on reforming our incarceration system to eliminate the use of privately operated criminal detention facilities. The long word being, hey, we're not going to use privately funded or privately owned prison systems anymore. That order went into effect January 26th. The Department of Justice, through the actions of the Attorney General, has been to non-renew all those contracts. Um, we know a number of them, I think 13 to 18, have currently been non-renewed. I don't have the total number I'm trying to get that. That's a little bit right now, getting information is on that level is kind of like pulling hen's teeth. Um, so we know where they're out there. So th- there's a lot of questions that come up with it. You know, I've read you the policy. Uh, if you go to informationedge.net, that is my site. It is the blog that I put out yesterday. There is a hyperlink in the body of the blog that you can pull it up, go directly to that executive order, and you can read it for yourself. Um, there's a lot of questions that, that are, are coming from this. And 
they're not good questions. They're not comfortable questions because there's nothing in here. If they had come out in the executive order and said, hey, you know, it is, we're closing down the privately owned and we've got X number of buildings that we're not using that the federal government owns and we're going to convert those into ad hoc prison systems because we feel we can meet all of the goals or criticisms outlined in this policy by going to that, that would be helpful, okay? You'd at least know where they're going. The word we're hearing is that they're taking it from the privately owned facilities and they're introducing that population back into the federally owned and operated facilities, which were A, already overcrowded. So B, it's against the direct challenges that this executive order goes out. Now, if you want to come out and say, hey, we want to do it because we feel we got to cut costs, although I would laugh right now if that was said in this administration because they're spending money like a drunken sailor. Actually, that's probably an insult to a drunken sailor. The money that's being spent is absolutely obscene in this administration. But if they came out and said, hey, we want to do it as a cost-cutting measure, I might, I might be able to swallow that. But that's not what this is. This isn't a cost-cutting measure. This is a form of what they call social justice in what they feel is an unfair justice system, and they feel it's unfair how the private operated systems were treating prison population, and they allude to the staff, okay? That's what's in there. So this is happening right now. You've got these prisons that are effectively being shut down right now, and no one's talking about it. One of the things that that comes up we talked about not only are they letting people go, who are they letting go, where are they letting go? I haven't even touched on the potential economic impact in shutting these prisons down. Now, think about that. Usually, where they will put these prisons, folks, you're not going to find them in your major metropolitan areas, okay? Most of the time, these prisons are going to be in a more uh, rural or semi-rural areas, so there's a little bit of distance out there. Uh, in the event, you've, if you had a problem, if you had a prison break, they don't want them where they can go in and recap it real quick. They usually have problems because the physical barriers that are set up with these prisons uh, make it very difficult to get out, difficult to get to the general population, okay? And if you start and think about that, the, the environment that that is, a, a, whether it's a rural or semi-rural environment, if you've got a federal penitentiary out there, I don't care if it's run and operated by the federal government or run and operated by a private group, that's a big employer, okay? That's who's going to employ all those prison guards. That's going to employ the administration system. That's going to employ the doctors out there. Uh, That's not just their money coming in from a salary standpoint. That's their benefits package. It's also going to hit uh, who are the service providers bringing all of the goods and services that that prison needs, not only for the prison population, but for the people that work there, the suppliers. And then you stop and think about all the little local economies inside that area that feed off of that system. This is a devastating impact. Now, when you combine this with what Mr. Biden did right out of the chute with the executive order on the Keystone Pipeline, this man is quickly becoming um, the most job-killing president by intent in United States history. Think about it. 
okay? Most presidents come in and they try to, based upon what's happened in the economy, they try to either stimulate it, massage it, leave it alone if it's roaring, don't mess it up, but they never want to come in and kill jobs. Even Barack Obama, who I had uh, no great uh, liking for, did not come in and try to kill jobs. Now, his economic policies for trying to get them started, we were acres apart on. But he, I, I never felt he came out and uh, intentionally tried to put companies out of business. Now, there are those that will say, well, if you go back and look what he tried to do in renewables against fossil fuels, he didn't come out and say, we're going to eliminate fossil fuels. What he simply did was he made a push for renewables. That's different. Okay. What Mr. Biden is doing is from day one and on, he is trying to transform the United States in an area that I don't believe voters voted for. Uh, we know those unions and there were, it's not all union people that worked on the XL pipeline. They didn't want to lose their jobs. I promise you the people that were operating these prisons didn't want to lose their jobs. These are a huge impact. So for having a president come in through executive order, that's what this is, folks, it's an executive order. And by the way, this isn't something that is trying to skirt law. This is actually something that the president has authority to do. Um, I mean, because that's something that falls under his jurisdiction in, 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 the, in his enumerated powers. He has the right to do this. The question is why, and it's in the name of social justice. So no one's running any type of accountability study. Of, okay, if we do this, uh, what's the impact? And I can promise you there's not a bunch of empty federal buildings um, that they're going to be taking this prison population to. This is stuff that they're going to take these back to existing. So you've got counteractive actions here. They come out and they're very critical of the privately owned and operated systems. And they say, you're doing this, 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 and this. Yet by shutting them down and moving the population to already full systems, they're replicating and exacerbating the very issues that they're criticizing. I mean, how, how do you do this? How do you do this and, and, and not be classified as brain dead? That's really what this boils down to. Did Joe Biden really want to sit down and basically endanger communities? I mean, here's the question, and I can't get the answer to it yet. I will get the answer. Have we effectively allowed a certain percentage of these prison populations back into society, and have they already been committing crimes? And if they have, does Joe Biden need to be held accountable? I personally got lambasted for a, a social media comment that I made some time back when we were talking about um, the border and Mr. Biden was talking about, well, there shouldn't be an issue letting some of these people in, which we were pretty sure had COVID. They came in 106 of them actually got tested for COVID and then were led into the general population. Now, number one, I personally think COVID has been a, it's a big scam. I'm not saying it's not real. If you're 70 plus or you've got health conditions or a combination, COVID's a very real, very real danger to you. 
But for most of us, it's an upper respiratory infection that we can take HCQ and a Z-pack for, and you're over in four days. You don't need to go get a vaccination. I know I'm going to catch hell for that one. Um, bottom line is he let people in, and they're all over the place. We don't know who they're going to mingle with. So that could result in, in, in actions. If we're letting people out of prisons, we don't know what the criminal background is. Are we letting violent offenders out, semi-violent offenders? Or are these just people that got let out because, hey, maybe they had a couple of joints on them? If this was communicated, we might sleep a little bit better. But right now, we're not getting any communication. Now, I have put some queries into the Department of Justice. I know that's they're going to laugh at me. <laughs> we're not going to answer this. We're not going to give you information to go on a, a podcast and broadcast this everywhere else. But I'm going to still keep inquiring because we need to know. We need to know what's going on because when you start looking at a combination of factors, and this is where this really gets into, and we'll wrap it up in the next segment. If this was the only thing that was going on, I wouldn't be happy about it, but I probably wouldn't lose as much sleep over it. When you factor this into liberal cities and the defund the police movement, the terroristic actions of Black Lives Matter and Antifa that are running loose in those cities, and now several Second Amendment accostments by not only Mr. Biden, but from the Democratic Congress, then you've got to start piecing all this together and, and you start it puts together a little bit of picture. OK, if you want if you don't want police and you're going to let these people run rampant, but you want to take away my right to protect myself oh, and you're going to let other criminals back out. Then that's a cause for concern. And I think not only is it a cause for concern, but we have to look at the intentions of the policy. And there's a legitimate question. Has Mr. Biden, through this action, is he is he violating if he's let anybody loose and there's harm that comes from these people? Is it a violation of law? And should he be held responsible? That's really what it boils down to, because this is his executive order. You can't pass it to the VP. You can't pass it to uh, the DOJ. You can't pass it to the attorney general because they're following Joe Biden's orders. So that's what we need to know. Have people been released? What's the criminal background? Where were they released? And has there been any harm? And if there is, then in my opinion, I think you've got to reexamine what's happening and possibly look at Mr. Biden for a prosecution, which would be impeachment. And there's a question that that's, there's a reason now why this is not being covered. Because nobody wants to discuss this if any of these executive orders, including what's happening on the border, are getting people harmed via assault, through other criminal action, or God forbid murder. Because if they are, blood's on his hands. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick break, pay some bills, then we'll come back and wrap up the show. We'll talk about next week as well. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. We're on Voice America, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. 
Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to The Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, you're back with the Information Edge. I'm Darren Yancey. We are live, 866-472-5788 if you want to call in. And uh, I, I'm getting I'm getting some emails and I'm getting a few uh, social media from last. Week. Yes, I threw out the impeachment word. And there's a reason I threw it out there, because um, when you are sworn into office as the president of the United States, your duties are pretty simple. Uphold and protect the Constitution of the United States, which is the law of the land, whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, you have to amend it. And there's a specific set of protocols to amending the Constitution of the United States. The other is make sure that your actions are in the best interest of the people. That's plural. Okay. The people. In other words, everybody, majority of folks. When you're putting out policies that are benefiting the few and punishing the majority, you are in violation of your oath of office, Mr. Biden. And that's the problem we have right now. We've already seen what's happening on the border, which, in my opinion, uh, that in itself is a crime because we do have borders. We do have laws, whether you like them or not, to tell a government institution like ICE, um, by the way, we're just we don't you know, let them go. Let them go. If any of those people that have come across the border commit any crimes, assault, battery, theft, whatever it is, murder. Mr. Biden is held responsible for that. And in my view, it's an impeachable offense. Now we know that he's got a policy where he has shut down privately operated federal prisons with 
no plans to have them in expanded facilities. And from the implication, from the implication of the policy, it implies this is being done for social justice. Social justice or not may or may not benefit the entire U.S. population. And if any of these people are let out because of this policy, which is countermanded to his oath of office, Mr. Biden is responsible for the actions of anything, including up to and not limited to murder. And folks, it does happen. It does happen. And if it does, it squarely falls on the shoulders of Mr. Biden. And in my opinion, I think he's already committed an impeachable offense with his actions on the border. And I'm not certain he hasn't committed one with this. So the question is going to be if we verify whether folks on the border or folks here in the prison systems that are let out, that are cut loose, commit crimes. If we get that information out, what happens to it? How do we communicate that to our folks in, in, in Washington, D.C.? Well, number one, by listening to this show right here, if I find out I'm going to put it on my website, I'm going to talk about it. We're going to talk about who it is, where it is, what it is. And then it's up to all of us to communicate that information to the members of Congress. And I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to listen very carefully. I don't care who's in charge of Congress right now. Don't care if it's the Democrats. Don't care if it's the Republicans. If a sitting president makes executive orders that gets people killed, gets them to lose their lives, nobody will cover for that heat. Not even Nancy Pelosi. They'll put people out of work. And you know why they'll put them out of work? Because they want to give them a handout. They want them to be relying on government. That way they can tax whoever they can. And if you're, if you're working, you're going to be a mule to supporting those that they don't want to work. And they'll do that gladly because in their mind, they feel that they're doing the right thing. It's warped. But if you start coming out and you do policies where everyday citizens get killed, I'm not talking about soldiers going over and taking care of an action and dying in battle. I'm talking about everyday citizens being harmed from an administrative decision. That is a fire they do not want under the seats of their butt. They don't want their butts burning. They don't want people calling them. They don't want people emailing them. And they certainly, by God, don't want you showing up to their office. Of course, right now in Washington, D.C., there's this fence around it. Can't do that because of the dadgum fence. Guess what you can do? You can call. You can email. You can wear them out. You can say, hey, I want to know what's going on here. Do all of you people understand what's going on? You have a right to contact the Department of Justice. You have to contact Department, the Attorney General. Hey, did you guys release any murderers in my neighborhood? You got any drug dealers out there having him beating the snot out of people? We've got a right to know. And if they have, who are they? We want to monitor because if they cause a crime, it comes back on Joe Biden. And he cannot get out of this unscathed. It is time for this administration to put a brakes on anti-American policies and get back to America first. I'm not saying that there isn't social injustice. There are pockets of it. And I'm not saying we don't need to address it. 
But when you simply make a whitewash decision rather than a case by case analysis and you make a policy claimer that can harm people, that's a problem. This past summer, we saw people in municipalities releasing prisoners in local and state facilities because of COVID. They didn't want to be legally liable for an inmate getting COVID, giving it to other inmates, dying, or possibly giving it to staff. So what did they do? They let them loose. What happened to the crime rate? Every one of those officials, be them a city, be it a county or state, they are responsible for those actions and they need to be prosecuted for those actions. This nonsense has to stop. And the way it stops is by you and me taking action, calling them out, letting people know, hey, you guys, you made a policy decision. Did you really, did you really mean to do that? Did you really think it through? Maybe, you know what? This just may have been, hey, we want social justice and let's, this is how we do it. And nobody said, oh, by the way, Mr. Biden, if, if you're going to let people out, can we recommend here's who you let out? Because if you let anybody dangerous out and they, and they go out and they do something wrong or God forbid, kill somebody, this is going to come back on you. Did that conversation exist? I don't know. I mean, in the current government environment, it, it could have. And they was say, ah, we're going to sign anyway. Or maybe it didn't even appear in the, in the thought process. There's a strong possibility of that. Some of the bills we see coming out, it's damn the torpedoes and don't worry about anything else. And if that's the case, that's sad. So I'm going to keep you monitored on this. I'm going to be doing more investigating on it. We'll bring it to you. I'll put it on the website. I'll put it on. The, we'll put it on the podcast as we go through. I'm hoping and praying that it is very simply, hopefully it was a brain fart and we get lucky and come out of this, but you got to look at the total picture of what's happening and we've got to put this stuff in perspective and you and me and everybody else, we're the ones. This is not a time to be a meek mouse. This is a time to find your voice. Bring out the baritone. Don't be rude. Don't be ugly, but say, you know what? We can't take this anymore. You've got a responsibility to the American people, all of us, not just a few of us. All right. I want to wrap up the show. Just a few things in terms of social media. You can follow me on social media. You can follow me on Gab, Parlor, and Twitter with the handle at DGYancy65. That's at DGYancy65. Uh, for those of you in the business community, I am uh, LinkedIn, Darren Yancey. And on Facebook, I have the information edge on Facebook. Uh, I don't do a lot on Facebook. And, and I'm not really, look, other than Gab and Parler, I'm not wild about any of these platforms. Unfortunately, I committed to this, so, so it's out there. Um, you'll find what I put out there is very specific, but it also gets a lot of stuff. Go to my site, Information Edge. That is a resource site for you. It's going to have the blogs that I put out there. And then when you go up, it's got all on the red line has everything. We do have sponsors on the show. I encourage you to go through uh, American Tejas Insurance Services, Big Wheels Body Shop, Burleson Nissan, Cowser Tire and Service insurance agency. We've got some others going to be bringing on. If you need a product or service and you go, hey, I don't see it on any of your uh, sponsors, email me. You can go to the site and find it. Or remember, Darren at DarrenYancey.com. I'll get that information out to you. It's been a pleasure bringing you this podcast today and this information. I hope you found it informative. I hope you found it educational. And I hope you at times found it entertaining because that's why I do it. This is Darren Yancey. And until next time, we'll be back. You've been listening to the Information Edge podcast on the Voice America Radio Network. We'll see you next week. Thank 
you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have more to share then. 